I stood here yesterday at the home going of a man 56 years old. Uh, he had developed diabetes and evidently had a heart attack. I got a text message on Monday night to be praying for him. And the next thing you know, on Wednesday, I got the call. He was in the hospital in Newton County, and uh, the Lord called him home. But let me tell you what his mama told me when I was at the parking lot at the hospital at Newton County. She said, Brother Randy, I want to tell you how David Melton came to know the Lord Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. I said, I sure would like to know. She said, a few years ago, he was building a fire. Now, I can relate to this. She said he had some gasoline. And he was pouring it on the fire. How many of y'all have ever done that? I've done that. Anyway, she said the gasoline, you know where I'm going with this, it uh, spilled out of the can and uh, unknowings to him, it mm, followed him literally and burned both of his hands severely. And she said that experience, he said to himself, if this is what hell's all about, I don't want to go to hell. The physical torment of being burned by fire. If you've ever been burned, you know what I'm talking about. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to go talk with a preacher. Now, little did he know, the preacher had been praying to have an opportunity to share the gospel that Jesus died for sins, was buried, the third day rose again, with somebody. I'll tell you who the preacher was. Preacher Atha. I don't know if you remember Preacher Atha came and was with us back in 1995. Anyway, David, this 56-year-old man, went to the house of the preacher. Knocked on the door. The preacher opened the door. He had been praying for somebody to witness to. Hadn't seen anybody saved in months and months and months, according to David's mom, Judy. And... David told the preacher what experience he had being burned with the fire. Well, Brother Atha took the Bible, shared with him how he could have a relationship with the living God. And, and it was there, it was then that he cried out to Jesus to save him from his sins. And little did he know, little did anybody know that he would pass away at the age of 56 years old. Yesterday at the funeral, a lady came up to me after the funeral was over, and she said, Preacher, would you pray for me and my family? I said, yes, I'll be glad to. What kind of prayer request do you have? She said, my son is not in church. She said, he's not serving the Lord, and he's making some bad decisions. And she said, I'm burdened for him. I said, what's his name? She gave me his name. I said, let's pray right now. Let's believe the Lord is able to bring him around. I'm preaching to somebody today that maybe you got a loved one that's not saved. Or you might be sitting here or listening, and uh, you don't know that for certain if you died, you go to heaven. But more than likely, there's some that are sitting here that you know somebody in your family or somebody, a friend, this is not where they ought to be with the Lord. And today, you and I 
can pray and get a hold of the Lord and purpose in our heart, watch this, to build a relationship with them. Can I take a quick survey? How many of y'all know somebody that's not saved? Would you raise your hand? Just about every single person in this place raise their hand. That means in a few moments, when we give the invitation, you need to be lifting them up. And I need to be lifting them up. And God is going to work on His timetable. I want to preach today on the subject, eternity is too long to be wrong. Eternity is too long to be wrong. When the roll is called up yonder, will you be there? We're studying in the book of Revelation, and I'm inviting you to turn in your wonderful copy of God's Word to that 20th chapter, actually where we left off last week, in the Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to see this morning, uh, eternity is too long to be wrong. There's three evidences, as I've been praying over the passage and over the message for this week, three evidences that you and I, that they point us to the fact that eternity is too long to be wrong. And furthermore, three reasons that we ought to be burdened for those who are not ready to meet God. It seems like to me that people are dying and going out in eternity more and more every time I turn around. I can see I had just two funerals in two days uh, yesterday, the day before, and then dear lady passed away, uh, Sister Betty. And uh, now these are not older people. Uh, some are, some aren't. But I read in the paper uh, that a young man just passed away 19 years old. Anyway, here's the point. Eternity is too long to be wrong. And so these three evidences are very simple. It's a very simple message. But I believe God's in it. And I know the Lord's going to use it for His glory. And here's where we're going in the text today. And I'll bring them on the screen so don't worry about writing it down. Three evidences. One, who is the judge? We'll find that in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. Number two, who is going to be judged? Revelation chapter 20, verses uh, 12 and 13. And three, how are they going to be judged? And that is in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 and 15. All right, you got your Bibles, Revelation chapter 20. And let's read uh, where we left off last week. And let me remind you, this is in the context of John's writing to that uh, crowd in his day, 95 A.D., and yea, in our day, in regards to the future. We're in the Revelation chapter 20, this wonderful chapter last week. Let me just recap the fact that we uh, agreed that this is the millennial reign, namely called the kingdom, which is to come. It could be seven, eight years away. And this is when the Lord Jesus will come, literally, and sit on his throne in Jerusalem. Right now, he's at the right hand of the Father. That's why I don't believe the kingdom is now, literally. I know we're living in God's universal kingdom, but the literal kingdom will come when Christ comes and sits his, on his throne in Jerusalem. And that will take place during the millennial reign. Now, we studied last week the fact that uh, there'll be these martyrs who'll be resurrected from the dead, those who've not worshipped the beast or his image, and the church will come back with Jesus Remember, the rapture takes place first, the seven years of tribulation, and then the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24 des describes that. Revelation chapter 19, Zechariah chapter 14. And, uh, and then, after Christ comes again, we, the bride, come with the bridegroom, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and the Lord Jesus will inaugurate or set up His literal kingdom for 1,000 years. 
We discussed, if you recall, Satan will be bound for a thousand years, one angel will bind him, only to be loosed after this thousand years to go out and deceive, and then ultimately, after the battle of Gog and Magog, the Lord God Almighty will throw him in the lake of fire, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10, along with the false prophet and the beast, which, by the way, have been thrown in the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 19. Somebody asked me one time, they said, Preacher, do you think that uh, the false prophet and the beast are a computer? No, on the contrary. Uh, they are a person because uh, John says that they will be tormented forever and ever and ever, not annihilated. Now, that leads us to this event today. We're talking on the subject of the great white throne judgment. Eternity is too long to be wrong. And we pick up in the text of Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand because it's not a long, lengthy reading. And I believe you'll be able to stand for the length of time we're going to read today. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. Notice, great white throne. Say that with me. Great white throne. Say it again. Great. White great. This is a magnificent. Magnificent, white, the purity, throne, ruling, authority. I saw, John said, a great white throne, and him who sat on it, many believe, and I take the view, this is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, because God the Father has given him to be the judge. Write this text down, John chapter 5, verse 22. Uh, there are some who say this is God the Father, regardless what your view is, still, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is sitting on the throne. Keep on reading verse 11. I saw a great white throne, him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. I believe this is right here when the heaven and the earth fled away, as John says, is the point when God creates a new heaven and a new earth. And I take the view the earth will be annihilated because of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. I won't go into that detail right now, but we talked about it last week. The heaven and the earth fled away, and there was no place found in them. Now look at verse number 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, somebody might say, why in the world, Brother Pastor, would, uh, hold on that thought, why in the world would God judge these people who are lost by their works? It's going to be their day in court, okay? And there'll be no excuses before the great white throne judgment. It's their day in court. God's going to judge them by their works. Namely, they've rejected Jesus Christ, and there will be degrees upon the sentence. Okay? Let's keep reading. Verse number 13. And the sea, notice, sea, gave up the dead, which were in them, or in it. This is the disembodied spirits, those who've been lost to the sea, drowned, blown up in an airplane. The sea gave up the dead. Notice, which was in it, and death and hell. The word hell there is Hades, which means when a person dies now, 
they go to a place called Hades, not Gehenna. We'll see the word Gehenna in verse 15. That's the final abode of the lost Gehenna. However, now a person dies without God, they go to a place, as the New Testament word indicates, Hades is a place of torment nonetheless, but it's not the final abode of the dead. That will take place after the great white throne judgment. And then please look at verse number 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Brother Chris Evans, lead us in prayer, please. Yes, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Chris. Here's what we Three evidences that eternity is too long to be wrong. Number one, we're going to address the question, who is the great God? Number two, who are those being judged? And we'll see that in verses 12 through 14. Number three, how will they be judged? Number one, who is the judge? And we turn to the text of Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. I saw a great white throne, and he who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found in them. There was found no place for them. I want to just emphasize again that this is none other, I believe, than Jesus Christ. Remember now, his first coming was a lot different than his second coming. Oh, yeah. When he came the first time, he came as a seeking Savior. But when he comes again, he'll be the King of glory. Yes, when he came the first time, he came as a servant, a lowly lamb. But when he comes again, he's going to come as the judge of all the earth. When he came the first time, he came healing crippled bodies, a healer. Opened blind eyes, raised the dead, made the lame to walk again, healed lepers. But when he comes again, there'll be complete healing. There won't be need for any healing. Oh, no. I'll tell you when he comes again. Yes, it'll be different. When he came the first time, he came as a storm calmer. You remember, peace, be still. Maybe you need a storm in your life right now to be calm. But when he comes again, the storm is going to be over. I love Rev uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 27. Matthew writes in that uh, Olivet Discourse, he said, as lightning shines in the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, you know when the lightning shines in the east to the west, the storm is over. When he comes again, the storm will be over. I'm telling you, this is not as far off as you might think it is. Yes, when he came the first time, 
He came offering promises. We had those promises. I was praising the Lord today, early this morning, as I was thinking about all the promises of God, how He's promised to be with us. Isn't that good news? Amen. He said, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. as Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. How about the promise that he said, I will meet all of your needs, not all your wants, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's what Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and 19. Oh, yes. Mm, the psalmist said, once I was young, but now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, neither received begging bread. That's over there in Psalm 37 and verse 25. Oh, yes, the promises of God. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's Philippians 4 and 13. I do really love, the Lord was reminding me this, in the book of Jude, verse 24 and 25, and to him that's able to keep you from falling, present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, honor, majesty, and power, both now and forevermore. That's Jude chapter there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, verse 24 and 25. But all oh, the promises of God. I love Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. And the Lord said through Paul, I'm persuaded neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> Don't you love babies? Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. They don't bother me, Riley, at all. I can get louder than babies. I'm just glad you're here. Come on, somebody say amen. I think we ought to praise the Lord right there, don't you? This is the future of tomorrow. It is. Amen. I'm just glad you're here. Chandler, too. By the way, Chandler came last week by himself with Mila Jane. I so blessed my heart. You brought your brother, too, and a friend today. Good to have y'all. Praise the Lord. Both your brothers. Man, I've been spending time with Chandler and Riley doing premarital counseling. And uh, we met last week for about two hours, week before about two hours, week before that about two hours. We're scheduled to meet this week as well. I see God working in your life, Chandler. What a blessing. I tell you, that blesses my heart. And so that's what we're talking about. Amen. What a blessing. What a blessing. Well, Jesus Christ indeed is coming. Who is this judge? Who is this judge? None other than the Lord Jesus. But wait a minute, I need to tell you something. And it's this. This judgment's going to be different than the judgment seat of Christ. Believers, Christians, will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Write this text down, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Paul wrote and said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Speaking to Christians, that we may receive what we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. The word bad there is phalos, which means worthless. It means uh, forfeit, in other words. In other words, here's the deal. God said, I've given you a gift, a spiritual gift. Use it for my glory. I shared it yesterday at the homegoing service of uh, David Melton. In fact, his mom asked me, she said, Preacher, would you please share that? I said, hey, I'll be glad to. As I met with them on Thursday before the service, she said, please tell people it matters how they live after they've been saved. I said, boy, I can't believe I heard you say that. She said, it matters how you live. And so I began to talk about works. We're not saved by works. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. However, if you are saved, there will be some works. Tell me, are there works in your life? I believe there are. I believe you wouldn't have come to church today if you weren't serious about your relationship with the Lord. 
And so, but James said, if a man says, I've got faith and he doesn't have works, this man's faith is dead. Oh, yeah, we've only got one shot at this thing called life. I don't know what you're doing these days, but I know, I'll tell you what, these are very strategic days where we don't need to be a part of the problem. We need to be part of the solution. And I know there's chaos running through the streets, and I understand there's a bedlam, and I understand there's all kind of things going on in our world, but praise the Lord, the Lord's still on the throne. And not only that, but he's left me and you here to make a difference. I want to talk to those who are working uh, tomorrow. You'll head for work. Raise your hand if you'll head to work tomorrow. Raise your hand. Hey, that's your mission, Phil. I said, that's your mission, Phil. Blossom where God's got you. And those who may be retired or not heading to work, your neighborhood, your family, our families are our mission field. God's got us planted. You say, but what can I do? I know there's some folks that may not want you to knock on their door, but there are people out there that will. You can send a text message. You can call them on the phone. You can write them a letter. You can build a relationship with them, and I believe that's what the Lord indeed wants us to do. So the judgment seat of Christ is that judgment whereby we'll be tested by the fiery eyes of the Lord. It's not the same as the great white throne judgment. Only the lost will stand before God at this judgment. By the way, I had not thought of it too clearly until early, early this morning. Got up about 4 o'clock, and I was thinking and praying, and, and I was looking at the text again, and the Lord showed me that Christians will be somehow... And some believe present at this great white throne judgment. Maybe we'll be uh, witnesses of these who said no to Jesus. Well, that really got to me when I thought, Lord, am I going to see people who said no to you? I, I don't know. I don't understand it all. The Bible didn't clear on it. But I know this. We'll be tested at the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne judgment, but believers and our works will be tested by the fiery eyes of the Lord, whether it be built upon our, our motives, that is, for serving the Lord, wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, precious stone. And thereby, either will be rewarded those five crowns in the Bible, runner's crown, watcher's crown, shepherd's crown, soul winner's crown, and crown of life. We've talked about those before. Or we'll suffer loss. We'll be saved, yes, but there are going to be rewards in glory. And I just want to tell you, this difference in the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. Can I tell you what happened to me Friday? I drove over to Augusta, Georgia and met uh, this family at the graveside. There were probably 50, 60 people there, friends and family, hot as blue blazers out there in the middle of a field about one o'clock in the afternoon. And, uh, the, and God put on my heart to share a message. Let me tell you how that all came about. I uh, had the privilege of preaching revival at this church in Augusta called Mount Lebanon Baptist Church probably seven, eight years ago. And uh, Billy Turner, y'all remember Billy? Brother Billy's been here in our camp meeting. Anyway, Brother Billy was a pastor at the time, and his sister named Pat invited us to come to eat at their house after the meeting on Sunday afternoon. We went to her house, and man, they just made me feel right at home. Man, I just, I just love the setting the table in here. You just fit right in. There was probably 10, 12 people there. Her, Pat, which would be Billy's sister, and her husband, Wayne. I retired from the Army. I was telling Brother Curtis, 21 years of the Army. Brother Gary, 21 years as the man. Brother Wayne uh, Morgan was the man that preached his funeral. Anyway, Pat, 
on Thursday morning said that God put me on her heart to come and share the message. And I thought, praise the Lord, an extension of New Rocky Creek to share the good news. Well, I said all that to tell you this. After I shared the message uh, there, uh, I kind of stayed back. You know, a lot of people sometimes don't respond during the invitation, but that doesn't mean God's not working. Oh, no. And everybody left except for probably maybe seven or eight people. I noticed a young man sitting there on the chairs up under the tent, and I walked over to him, and I said, young man, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. I said, what's going on? He said, I just graduated from high school. I said, good. His name was Peyton, or is Peyton. I said, well, what's going on? He said, I'm fixing to join the Marines. I said, really? Wow. I began to tell him about some of our men here and how Brother Jimmy Dracos was a drill sergeant. Marines just preached his funeral last July. He said, in fact, I'll be going the first week in September to boot training. I said, well, praise God. Thank you, man, for your service to our country. And then I asked him the question. You know what I was going for. I asked him the question. I want to ask you, has there ever been a point in time in your life when you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sin and you received him as your Lord and Savior? 18-year-old now looked at me right in the face. He said, no, not really. He said, I've been to church, but I, I've not really been saved uh, as you were preaching about today. Uh, he didn't seek me out. I just sensed that there was a need in his life, and he was kind of lingering around. Well, I said to him, I said, well, has anybody ever taken the Bible and shared with you how you can have a relationship with God? He said, no, they hadn't. I said, would you be willing to go through the Bible and let somebody share with you how we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and there's none righteous, no, not one, and that our righteous is filthy rags? But wait a minute, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How Jesus died on a cross to pay our sin debt in full, the just for us, the unjust, that he might bring us back to God. I, I said, has anybody ever told you about uh, he, Jesus, uh, becoming sin for us? He said, no. I said, has anybody ever told you how Jesus conquered the grave? And, and Paul wrote and said that he was delivered up for our offenses and raised again for our justification? He said, no. And that's in Romans chapter 4, verse 25. I said, man, I'd love to talk with you about that. Uh, would you, you got time now? He said, I'm sorry. I got to ride with them right now, and I've got to head on. But it's very nice. I could tell he was open to the gospel. Hallelujah. Well, the pastor of the church, Mount Lebanon now, Brother Perry, he was standing by, and he said, let me get your name and number. And so he wrote his name down, number, and I said, man, it'd be great if y'all could get together before he goes into boot training. So I said all that, say this, pray for this young man. His name is Peyton, 18 years old. Look, eternity is too long to be wrong. When I was talking with Peyton, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, what if something happened to you? What if you died? Do you think, you, where would you go? He said, I don't think I'd go to heaven. I said, look at me. Does it bother you? He's a very nice man, a young man, very respectful. And he wasn't just frivolous about it either. I could tell God was working. I said, aren't you concerned if you die without God, without Jesus, you're going to go? And I'd already preached on the message about hell and heaven. And, and, and so he said, yeah, I, I kind of thought about it. I said, hey, look, what do you have to lose? And look what you got to gain. Look what you got to gain. I mean, what would keep you from crying out to God to save you? I want to say that to you today, those of you that are listening right here, maybe some uh, otherwise. What do you got to lose? And <laughs> look what you got to gain. What does a man profit if he gained the whole world? Lose his own soul. Who is to judge? Jesus. 
I say to you, the first evidence that eternity is too long to be wrong and that we ought to be burdened for our lost family and neighbors and people who are not right with the Lord, who may be backslidden or drifted. Oh, God, give us a burden. Because there's a second evidence, and here it is right here. John said, not only those who is a judge, but those being judged. Look what he says. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Stand before God. And the books were open. Here we understand that God keeps record books. He knows every thought. He knows all about us even before we even speak. Do you know how great God is? That he knows the past, the present, and the future. God knows what's ahead. We don't. You can trust him. I'm telling you, the Lord has been good to many of us, and I want to tell you the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. It should cause us to say, God, thank you for the blessings of life. Thank you for our health we enjoy. Thank you for our family. Thank you for your grace in my life. And you see, this crowd, small and great, will stand before God, and the books are open. I say again, why would God, why would God keep a record book, and, and why would the Lord, as I thought about this, why would the Lord judge us for our works? And I say, our, the lost. Again, this is the lost, those who said no to God, those who do not want Jesus Christ. Oh, they may not say that, but their lifestyle indicates, I don't want God in, your, in my life. I was that way one time. I didn't want God in my life, really. Oh, I had head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. You see, listen, beloved. There are a lot of people tell you, I believe in God. But I want to tell you, the devil believes in God. In the book of James, chapter 2, verse 19, the, James said this, the half-brother of Jesus. He said, the devil believes in God and trembles. This thing of easy believism, I believe in God. You know what the word believe means? It means it's like a two-sided coin. It's the word pistuos. It means to repent, to turn, turn from, and turn to by faith. Turn to Jesus. So believe the devil hadn't repented. That doesn't mean the devil's going to heaven. He's not. But yet he believes in God. So just because you say you believe in God, that may not be enough. Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Has there ever been a time in your life when you said, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Forgive my sin. I trust in your sacrificial atoning death on the cross. I believe you died. I believe you arose. I need you to forgive my sin. And all has sinned. And some of us today admit we've lied. We admit that we've done things to disobey our parents and stuff like that. There's no doubt about it. We're sinners. What are you going to do with your sin? Look, either you pay the penalty of your sin or you let Jesus pay the penalty of your sin. And, and Paul wrote this, and he said, the wages of sin is death. That's Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin. The penalty for sin is death. What kind of death? Eternal death. The second death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the deal. You can put your sins on Jesus. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and... and and, and I don't want to pay my sin. Please, I trust in your shed blood. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. I want you to save me, and I want to put my uh, trust, my dependence, uh, my life on your death on the cross, your redeeming blood, and to pay my sin. I don't have to pay it. 
God says, if you want to pay your sin, you can. You can pay for your sin, but it's going to be in the lake of fire. That's what he says. He says, the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the choice is yours. Nobody in the right mind would want to die and go to hell. I'll be honest with you. I thought about it today. I said, Lord, I don't want to be honest about this, but i got to be honest about it. And I just want to be honest with you. There's a time in my life when I thought hell was a joke. Now, you may not have said that, but I have. I thought hell was just a joke. A long time ago when I was lost and undone, y'all can look at me like uh, you hadn't done it, but probably whether you said it or not, you thought it like I did. You know, everybody jokes about hell today. It's a joke. No, it's not a joke. It's real. In fact, Jesus talked about hell. In fact, he talked more about hell than he did heaven. In fact, over there in Luke chapter 16, I believe it's a real story. Jesus said this, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, and there was a beggar named Lazarus who laid at his gates full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs, the dogs, came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. That's where I believe when we die, an angel comes, and uh, no doubt Jesus made that reference. Escorts us in heaven. But he said, Jesus in Luke 16, he said, and the rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Jesus is telling this. I'm not telling this. He is. He said, the rich man died. Hey, listen to me. He didn't die because he was rich. Rich people, just because they're rich, that doesn't send them to hell. No, when they say no to God. And, and uh, by the way, God gives power to get wealth. There's a lot of people who've got a lot of wealth and use it for the glory of God. And so don't get in your mind that just because a person's got a lot of wealth, they go to hell. No, the rich man died and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. It wasn't a party. It wasn't fun. No, no. He lifted up his eyes in hell and cried, and, and it says, he lifted up his eyes in hell in torment. Hang on. Torment. And cried, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. Then he may tip his finger in water, cool off my tongue. The place I'm in is torment. That don't sound good to me. It doesn't sound like a party to me. It doesn't sound like your buddy's going to be able to bail you out there. It doesn't sound like the devil's going to be your friend there. Uh-uh, no, sir. No, ma'am. Uh-uh. Don't you listen to the devil's lies. He's a liar. He's going to stab you in the back. He'll make you think that it'll be all right, but he is the father of lies. Please don't listen to him. Oh, no, no. And Jesus said, the rich man died and went to hell. And then he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. So he dipped the tip of his finger in water, cool off my tongue, the place I'm in is torment. And then Father Abraham said, Son, remember in this lifetime, you had good things, and likewise, Lazarus, the poor beggar, Lazarus, he didn't have, now he didn't go to heaven just because he was a beggar. He went to heaven because he believed in God and he trusted in Jesus Christ. So please differentiate between the contrast of the rich man and the beggar. And he said, he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to me, dip the tip of his finger in water, cool up my tongue, the place I'm in torment. He said, Son, remember this lifetime, you receive good things and Lazarus evil. Now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides this, there's a great gulf fixed between heaven and hell. I'm paraphrasing that part. 
He said, so that they uh, that are there cannot come there, and they that are in hell cannot go to heaven. And then the rich man said, Jesus is telling this, not me. Father Abraham, send him my father's house. I have five brethren. He may testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. That scripture was where God called me in the ministry. Father Abraham, send him to my brother's house. My father's house. I have five brethren that he may testify to them lest they come to this place of torment. That's where God put his finger on my life. I'll never forget it. After the Lord saved me, he said, Son, you're going to be the one. You need to go and tell. You need to go and warn. Did they come to this place of torment? They have Moses and the prophets, said Abraham. Nay, Father Abraham, if one rose from the dead, they'd repent. No, they'll not. Here, Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Here's the conclusion. One, and I don't mean conclusion of the message, the conclusion about hell. One, there's physical torment in hell. Send Lazarus, dip the tip of his finger in water. There's mental torment in hell. Remember, Abraham. Remember, Abraham said to the rich man, y'all listen, I believe this day, August the 30th, when my mom, the day my mom went to heaven, August the 30th, I believe this day right here, if you die without God, and I'm saying this because I love you. If you die without God, and you walk out of this church today, or you say no to God, God's going to say, you remember when you went to church? You remember that preacher that preached about heaven and hell and tried to warn you and love you and, and urge you to get right? If you die without God, the Lord is going to remind you, remember, remember August the 30th, 2020. You remember you were sitting in New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. You had a chance to be saved, but you said no. Remember. See, God is going to bring to remembrance people when they've witnessed to you, when they've talked with you, when they've cried over your soul, when they've given you a track. Remember. So there's going to be not only physical torment in hell, there's going to be mental torment in hell. And I'll tell you what else is going to be, spiritual torment in hell. You're not going to be annihilated. That is completely done away and you just go to sleep. That's a bunch of baloney. No, no. Jesus said, and I believe Jesus, he said, You'll be uh, physically hurting in pain, like I told you, the man that was burned. And not only that, you remember. And not only that, but there'll be a separation from those that are in heaven, from those that are in hell. There's some mamas up there crying, or here on earth, crying for the children. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with the Lord. Yes, get right with the Lord. I talked with a lady a few years ago. I'll never forget it. 39 years old. Her name was Elizabeth. I urged her to, to call out to the Lord to save her. And she didn't have time. She said, no, 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 get out of here. I was with one of our dear ladies, an older lady, and this lady was there. The older lady was concerned about her. And she didn't have time. She didn't want to listen to it. I, I felt so empty when I left, so burdened when I left. And later, I got a telephone call from one of our men. He said, did you hear? Just a few months later, this lady was killed. A transfer truck hit her in Putnam County, Edenton, Georgia, she was killed instantly. I thought, oh God, I hope she got right. I hope she got right. Out in eternity, out in eternity, too late after you die. Supporting a man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Hey, look, who is this judge? Who are the ones that are going to be judged? Those who will be resurrected from the sea and every person that's died, small or great. And then number three, how will they be judged? Death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
God keeps record books. Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Is it? Is it? When did that happen? Do you know that it's in there? Oh, yes. When the roll is called up yonder, will you be there? Eternity is too long to be wrong. It's too long to be wrong. And I'll close on this. One of my dear pastor friends down in uh, Altoona, Florida, he actually lives in uh, a place close to Altoona. I was with him in revival a few years ago, Sandy Acres Baptist Church. His name is Gene Tester. I saw him back in January. Gene, um, we were in revival there. God blessed the meeting. It's probably been 10 years ago or maybe more. And Gene, I saw him. He came in a wheelchair in the camp meeting. Gene sat back in the back, and I was so glad to see him. I said, Brother Gene, he's a military man, been in Vietnam three or four tours and has all kinds of physical problems. Anyway, I talked with him in January, and we reminisced and praised God together, told him, loved him, prayed for him. I, was, I had some chance to spend time at his house when I was with him 10 years ago. Anyway, I had a friend to tell me not long ago, said, did you hear about Gene? I said, no. What, what's wrong with Brother Gene? He said, well, he's got this old, this old uh, you know, this, this, this terrible plague, this disease, this, this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. I said, really? He, I said, well, how's he doing? He said, well, he went to the hospital. I said, really? Well, how's he doing? And they said, I'll tell you what he did. He, they said he, they took all of his blood out of his body and put some good blood in his body. <laughs> he said they took his bad blood out and put good blood in. I said, really? Yep, he's good. He's okay now. I said, praise the Lord. You know what I thought about? That's exactly what happens when a person is born again. Jesus Christ washes us clean in his own blood. Yes, he does. And today, you can ask him to forgive you. Trust him to wash your sins. I don't care what you've done. You say, but what I've done. It's not what you've done. It's what he's done. Uh, look who I am. It's not who you are. It's who he is. Right now, right now, as you stand to your feet, those listening, Right now, you can say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I need you to save me from my sins. I know I'm lost. I can't save myself. And you really mean it from your heart. I'm willing to turn from my sin. Jesus said, unless you repent, you should likewise perish. Have you ever done that? Has anybody ever shared with you, best I could, in what little bit of time I had this morning? how to have a relationship with God. Now listen, those of you who need to do that, you need to do it today because you're not promised a tomorrow. Then those of us that raised our hand, they've got a loved one that we know is not ready to meet God or a friend or a neighbor. Let's pray for them right now. Right now. And if you don't have at least one person on your heart that you know is not saved, you need to get with God right now and say, Lord, I know there's a lot of people that are lost. Put somebody on my heart. And then, don't just pray for them. Would you, like I'm going to do, purpose in your heart, purpose in your heart that you're going to, after you pray, and as God the Spirit leads, you're going to reach out to them. Maybe just build a relationship through our walk, through our talk. Tell them, show them, be patient with them. They may not 
trust Jesus at right that moment. It may take some time. One man, two years, I spent meeting with him, talking with him. Two years, two solid years before he asked Jesus to save him. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. We're praying now, what do you need to do? You might want to come to the altar. You might want to pray where you're at. I don't know. But if you're here today and you're not saved, that's the greatest need you've got. Let's pray now. Father, thank you for your word, your will, your way. Lord, I just, Lord, I pray. I know that you put this on our heart and a time like this, you're drawing, you're speaking, you're knocking, and there are those here today that have never received you as their Lord and Savior. Open their heart. Help them to be honest. and Let them know that you love them. Let them know that you will forgive them no matter what they've done. Hallelujah. And that you will make them your child. You did it for me, Jesus. And I know you'll do it for whosoever will. Let him take of the water of life freely. We give you glory now. And Father, now people on our hearts that we're concerned about, not just those who are lost, but Lord, there's some in our families that aren't serving, that aren't connected. And we're concerned about them, Father. We want heaven's best for them. So now as we call to you, we pray that you'll give us wisdom and that you will work on the other end. Draw. And when all said and done, we'll thank you. Give you glory now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, 